Four, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the six o'clock pairing. On the tee, from River West, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course. Live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City. Alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. We are just in the heart of golf season in the state of Wisconsin. And I know last week, Stephen, I said I was kind of sad that we already had three majors over and there's one coming up because it feels like summer is just starting. And it's because, it, it, yes, I understand Saturday was a little touch and go. But like the last two days, I hope everybody got at least an opportunity to play one round of golf because. Yeah, Gabe, I got to play a little golf. Looks like we are. Sounds like we lost Gabe there for a second. Um, what a beautiful weekend for golf here in Wisconsin. I actually went out and played 18 holes today at Brown Deer with a couple of buddies. Um, we can't ask for a better weekend of golf. I think Gabe was getting to that because it truly is golf season in Wisconsin right now, even though we are halfway through the golf schedule with a couple of majors already in the books. And I know one of the first things that we're going to talk about on this show today when we get Gabe back is going to be the weekend that is upcoming. And I hate the fact that we have to talk about live golf this early in the show, but it truly is probably the better event that is happening this upcoming weekend. We have our second Live Golf Tournament this weekend, and it's going to be the first one here in the United States over at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon. It sounds like we've got Gabe Neitzel back. Gabe, are you on like hole 17 right now? What's going on? Yeah, you know, so, Stephen, we got a little overzealous with the tee time, hit a little bit of traffic, and, you know, you, you know, so you try to use technology to your advantage in these situations, and, you know, sometimes it lets you down and, and you get a little sketchy, uh, you know, sketchy connection, but hopefully we're, we're good now for the rest of the segment. Okay, good, good. Well, I, hey, I'm just happy to have you, man. And you were talking about the, so, the beautiful well, golf weather in well, Wisconsin, so, so it, sounds, it sounds like you played today. I did. I played. I played at one of your favorite places. I played at University Ridge in Madison. Absolute gorgeous day to do so. It's so. It's funny because we've been out there so much the last couple of years, Stephen. And we actually like one of the first times we actually played golf together. We were paired together in their pro am. Um, we got pulled off the course early that day, but you know it, it's it's a course that I haven't played since then. And in terms of the full 18, I haven't played it in probably six or seven years. But I know the course kind of because I've been out there so much for the AmFam Championship. But then you play it, and it's a course I think you need to get used to a little bit. Yeah, Gabe, I think actually the last time we both played it was together at one of those AmFam Media Days a couple of years back. I mean, I, I could tell you that course from the, like the back of my hand because I donated half of my college tuition to University Ridge by playing out there and taking advantage of their, <laughs> uh, their discount for students. But... Um, yeah, it, it's 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 not. I wouldn't call it a gimmicky golf course, but it, it truly is a target golf course. You need to know where your next shot is always going. You can't just spray it around there and score well. You have to really understand, you know, the subtle 
breaks in the fairway, in the greens. Obviously, you have to be straight because there's a lot of opportunities to lose golf balls out there. And I lost plenty of golf balls out there, especially on the front side. But it, it is, and it's it's it, it's kind of one of those where you have to think back from the from like where the pin is. Okay, the pin's here. I'm not going to be able to attack it if I miss here. And so you have to think your way around that golf course a little bit, and which I absolutely love. And then I respect the fact that the you know every year the Champions Tour is out there. They, the guys just absolutely light that course up. It's unbelievable how good they are, and it gives you uh, that much more respect. And it, it always makes me a little sad then, Stephen, to have a, a couple of days like we've had, to play a golf course in the States that, that both of us enjoy in University Ridge, and yet the one thing still going on in the world of golf that we continuously have to talk about is the splintering of the professional golf world between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. As uh, you mentioned earlier, Pumpkin Ridge is where they're going to be this week, and more Americans are going to be a part of that. Patrick Reed is participating this week. Matthew Wolf uh, this week saying that uh, he's going to be participating for the first time. You know, Brooks Kepka, after scoffing at it at the U.S. Open, is going to be a part of this field and be a part of Live Golf going forward. So professional golf continues to be splintered as more and more PGA Tour stars make their way over to live. Okay, all right, all right, all right. You used the word star there. Let I, I just got to stop you there. Well, that's because like, I, I, the, the last person, the last word I said was, but the last person I said was Brooks Kepkin. He's got yeah. four majors. Okay, yeah, so yeah, you're, you're, you're fair. Actually, he's, honestly, he's like we're one we're, of the biggest stars in the PGA Tour. We're like one of the bad luck charms in the golf world. I feel like maybe on the tee is splintering the PGA Tour because the last couple of weeks when we have signed off, a major name has gone to the Live Tour. A couple weeks ago, we literally finished our show, and within 15 minutes, Dustin Johnson announced that he's going to the Live Tour. Last week, we finished our show on Monday night. On Tuesday morning, it came out that Brooks Kepka was going to the Live Tour. I am terrified to find out who might be next to join the Live Tour, but I can tell you that I did have a nice chuckle this morning when I got and saw an email from Live Golf about their unbelievable new additions in rising star Matthew Wolf and international standout Carlos Ortiz. That's what the headline said on the Live Golf press release that came out about their rising star Matthew Wolf. We could do a whole show on his you know, fall from grace on the golf course. I know he had some stuff off the course as well, but I wouldn't really characterize Matthew Wolf as a sexy rising star in the world of golf that's going to make me change the channel to live. Brooks Kepka might be a little bit different, but even he, he is not having a good golf season himself right now. It seems like all the guys who don't want to stick it out and compete and try and figure it out and find success again are just taking their money, and that's just something I can't get behind, Gabe. I don't know about you. Well, and th- this, well, this, it's going to be interesting. So I want to look at it from this angle, Stephen, because it, it seems that for international competitions at least, the U.S. is the one that's that's kind of taking more of the hits because as of right now, if you join the Live Golf Tour, you're not going to be able to play in the President's Cups. We've got a President Cup uh, coming up at Quail Hollow at the end of this year. You're not going to be play, able to play in Ryder Cups unless something changes. And it seems that, yeah, there's some European past stars that have gone over, but it, it kind of felt like, you know, the Ian Poulter's, like, kind of felt like this was going to be last Ian's last ride at Whistling Straits last year. So 
the U.S. has lost so I mean, Dustin Johnson had a great Ryder Cup, and even though he's getting up there, it still feels like he's somebody that would be a solid player year in and year out uh, on those Ryder Cup teams. Same thing with Brooks Kepke. Matthew Wolf, while he hasn't factored into those team golf situations quite yet, it, it seems like he is somebody that, when he came out of Oklahoma State, certainly – People were penciling him in to be a, 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 you know, hey, this guy's going to be playing on these team golf events, these international events that Team USA is going to be a part of. And it's interesting to me that USA has lost some of these, but kind of Europe, and, and I know Carlos Ortiz, certainly somebody that, that would have been in, in, on the international squad for the President's Cup this upcoming year. But it doesn't seem like Team Europe has lost those young stars that are up and coming and can be part of Ryder Cups for the next Ten years or so, and I wonder how much of that is just U.S. bias. Of you know, we we know a lot of the future college stars in in college golf. Some some of the guys that we'll see from Texas or Oklahoma State. Um, you know, we we knew about Matthew Wolf and kind of his meteoric rise because of his success at the collegiate level. I mean, he won the NCAA's at Oklahoma State, and then he was featured so young in the match. You know, when he played with Ricky Fowler and a couple of those other guys. And then he came on and won his third PGA Tour event at the 3M Open. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, who's this guy with the really cool shoes and the really funky swing? And then all of a sudden, and he also, I mean, he played well at majors too, right? He he T4 at the 2020 PGA Championship. And then, yes, came in second at wing foot. Um but then he, he he did deal with some mental health problems in, in 2021. And that's certainly something that, you know, is very important. And he took that time for himself and tried to figure out. And he just hasn't been able to get back to the golfer that we once saw um, in, in 2020 and before. He's missed seven cuts this year. His best finish is a T25 at the Wells Fargo. And the, the irony in all of this, Gabe, with somebody like Matthew Wolf, his last top 10 was actually at the PIF Saudi International in February. That was yeah, his last top 10. Yeah, I got the release to play in that event. What's interesting to me, though, about Matthew Wolf's decision, so some of these other stalwarts that we've talked about that would be you know, on these international teams, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Koepka, um, Dustin Johnson, those guys have exempt status into majors. You know, yeah. Dustin gets to play the Masters for as long as ever he wants because he that that's part of winning the Masters. You know, he has exemptions because he won that Masters in 2020. Same thing with... Um, same thing with uh, Bryson DeChambeau with winning a U.S. Open. Like you get, there are perks that come with winning a major championship. And right now, Liv doesn't have status as you know getting official World Golf ranking points. A, typically it takes two years to kind of establish yourself to be able to get those points. And B, OWGR at least right now has seemed hesitant to give away official World Golf ranking points because there are only 54 whole events and there's no cut and it's a limited field. And if they, and, and if, they, and if they, these, these guys are going to be playing against. Yeah. And if they give those official world golfing points, I mean, I think that is the ultimate demise of professional golf because all of a sudden oh, you're going to have yeah. guys that can just helicopter into these major events and play when they want to. I mean, I understand that there are outliers, right? Like there are Brooks Kepka and Bryson and DJ who have have that exempt status and they got their money and Phil Mickelson of course and they can go and, and play in the major championships but I still feel like that next wave of live golfers is what is going to make that tour successful and as long as they don't have that exempt status in major championships that's where I feel like the PGA Tour is hanging out hope that 
they're just going to ride their stars as long as they possibly can. And as long as they don't jump ship and we don't have another big name by tomorrow morning when we're done with this show, <laughs> I still like the odds of the PGA Tour riding this thing out and just hoping that the PR firestorm ends up burning live when it's all said and done. Well, that's where I think that the, the major championships can just kind of stand pat. Um, you know, if, if you have exempt status, you can play and they can just kind of, you know, stand with where they're at. Because as long as Liv isn't getting OWGR points, the, the next interesting thing to me is going to be this next wave. I 100% agree with you. But Matthew Wolf, like Matthew Wolf's, what, 81st in the world right now? He, he's not he's not eligible to play any majors because of where he stands in the official world golf rankings. Victor Hovland is in the top 10 right now, but if Victor goes to live and that's the only events he's playing, he's going to fall out of the top 50 rather quickly. and He's not going to be able to play any major events. So that's where I think the majors, if they play the long game, they can, you know, kind of play both sides to see how this is going to play out and just say, Hey, these have always been our standards. You know, if you're a past champion, you get into certain events, you know, like the masters and the PGA, if you have official world golf ranking and top 50, top 60, you can get into the open and, and the U S open. And obviously the U S open has also their open qualifying. If some guys from live want to go and try to grind it out, and play 36 holes in, in you know, Columbus, Ohio on, on the longest day in golf and on a Monday, they, they're more than welcome to do so. So that's what's going to be interesting to me is are the Victor Hovlands of the world, the guys that are young, that we think are going to win majors at some point in their career, are they going to make that jump? Like Matthew Wolf, I can make it make sense a little bit in my head in the fact that he's probably not going to have his card at the end of the year. I mean, he won that, that 3M Open more than two years ago. He's going to lose his exempt status from that win. And if he doesn't finish in the top 125, he's not going to have exempt status He's in the FedEx Cup, which doesn't look like he's going to do. So then he would have to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour. So this is kind of a calculated gamble on his part to go here, get guaranteed money, so that can make, make sense. But these top stars, the Colin Morikawas, who have pledged their allegiance now to the PGA Tour, the, um, you know, as I mentioned, the Victor Hovlands, those guys, those young stars, those up-and-comers that might not have that exempt status. Sounds like we lost Gabe again, but he was making a good point about the fact that so many of these young guys that have not played enough major championships and not have earned enough wins on the PGA Tour to earn that exempt status, that is probably the biggest question mark. And one other thing that's important to note about some of the other guys that have jumped to live, it made it okay. made big news um, this week. A couple of amateur golfers, one deciding to join live golf and another who decided not to. The one who decided not to is Pearson Cootie from Texas. He's former top-ranked college player. He earned $31,000 in his last two starts on the Corn Ferry Tour, <laughs> and he was offered a multi-million dollar deal to join live, and he turned it down, and he said, and I'm going to read his quote. He said, I might be sitting on my couch with millions in the bank account watching my friends play on the PGA Tour, and that would have been devastating. Those are the guys that Jay Monahan is trying to lean on, the guys that are going to play for pride and play for legacy versus the, you know, the Live Tour announcing in that press release today that they brought world number two ranked amateur Eugenio Chikara. I hope I'm saying that right out of Spain. He signed a three-year deal with Liv, and that's kind of that, that that's that next wave that we're talking about a little bit, Gabe. I mean, it's not the Victor Hovlands, you know, that is that's the top of that wave. But those are also, you know, potential future stars in this sport that if they make that jump to live, Gabe, we may never see them here on the PGA tour and know what their legacy could be built in the game of golf. And that's really a fascinating future to think about. 
Yeah, it really is. And with and again, with these young stars, if if they ultimately go to live, like some of these decisions are going to be made for the OWGR. They're going to be made for major championships because in order for golf to succeed, these young guys need to be a part of it, as is with any sport. So it's always real interesting to see how that is going to play out, uh, as always. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about live plenty to come with on the tee. But coming up next, uh, we're going to dive into what happened on the PGA Tour yesterday at one of their more fun uh championships the travelers championship they always get a good field for it it came down to the end your guy xander won the one time you didn't pick him so we'll dive into that and what happened at the end was sahith Tagala. we'll dive into that coming up next on the team the opening segment was brought to you by heartland movement center improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com on the tee with gabe and steven continues next on 94.5 espn you're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Annex Wealth Management is a proud sponsor of On the Tee. It's time to get to know the difference. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, estate planning as a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to put things in order. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Love the crew over at Annex Wealth Management. And it seems that anytime I have to talk about Annex Wealth Management, I also have to talk about the time that I, you know, I had to pay Dave Spano money after you and Dave took down me and one of our sales teammates here at good at uh, ESPN Milwaukee at Aaron fun. Hills. Which means I should probably also mention that, uh, you know, happy birthday to my guy Will, who I was playing golf with today, nice. and took a bunch of money off me uh, at University Ridge. Do you win ever? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I so I, I won this past Friday. I played, played all right, won uh, some money there. You know, the last two days haven't been good for me, Stephen. It's okay. Last two, last two days. Hey, it's hard being a low handicapper, man. You, you do some dumb things sometimes, and which brings me to yesterday's PGA Tour. Because I'll tell you this: like my driver has not been working. I still hit my three and five wood far enough. Like, if my driver's not working, I should just bench it, right? Yeah. Like, just oh, throw this in the bag. Like five wood's gonna be fine. Like, yeah, you live a little bit farther, but it's fine. Like, just do that. You're under control with the five, which should have been doing that all day. Guess what I didn't do all day, Stephen? No, I'd rather pound balls into the abyss yes. with my driver because I'm an idiot, which brings me to Sahith Agala. And I feel bad. We didn't get to talk about him when he was leading or on top of the, or towards the top of the leaderboard at uh, the Phoenix Wake Management Open yep. this past year, because that's, that's in February. Our show hasn't started yet. And he got an absolute terrible bounce. This is one of my favorite holes. Like, the 16th gets all the billing at the Phoenix Weights Management Open, but the hole that's the best on the back is you're coming down at 17. It's an awesome drivable mm-hmm. par four. A lot of risk-reward. He gets a terrible bounce off a mound, and it goes into the water, ends up obviously not winning the tournament. So that brings us to... Yesterday Ugh. on the PGA Tour Travelers Championship, if you had not, uh, if you didn't happen to watch it, Xander Shoffley leading. Sahith gets on a heater, starts going on a run, chases him down, gets up on one. Now he's a group ahead, so he's playing 18 before Xander after making a great birdie on 17. So he's up one, decides to stick with driver. People are criticizing his decision to hit driver. I, I'm not. Because that was always his game plan, right? Like, yeah. That's the game plan you sometimes. You can't change it last minute like nope, that. No, you can't change the game plan. So I'm fine with him hitting driver, didn't make a great swing, ended up with a, ended up in the bunker. Here's where I have the issue. Like, he is up against the lip. 
Like, he is all, just so against the lip. And I don't know what he had, if it was a pitching wedge, if it was a 9-iron. I'm not quite sure what it was, but it was very obvious. Whatever he was trying to hit was not going to clear the lip. Yeah, it was... I, I watched it back, you know, just before the show to try and pick up the audio between him and his caddy because they sat over that ball for a while. He took a lot of practice swings trying to figure out if he could get it over that lip. You got a one-stroke lead on 18, and he tried something that you could tell he didn't feel good about. No, he couldn't. Like, there's no way to commit to that shot because like, if you commit to that shot, it hits the top of the but, hill. But if you hit that shot and you pull it off and you somehow save par... And you you continue to put that pressure on Xander. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of those epic shots that you'll never forget in your career. I love it. I love that he tried it. I hate it. It made me... See, I, I, I actually, just think I, in that situation, he has to do what he did on the second time. Wedge out. Try to get up and down. He almost made both. It's so much easier out. to say that now after he didn't pull off the shot. But if he pulls off that shot, you're talking about this being one of the... Better than Fitzpatrick's shot that he oh, that just won him at the U.S. Open last week. But I'm looking at him going, there's like a 1% chance of him actually pulling this shot off. But he's a professional golfer. Like you, you Under think- pressure, with the lip in front of him, like, I just did not think there was any chance. Like, it, it was very obvious what was going to happen there. Is there any worse feeling in golf than not getting out of a bunker, hitting it no. into the side of a lip and watching it roll back to your feet? Nope. What about on number eighteen of a, of a, your first attempted PGA Tour win? Is it is this when you were watching? Was this more emotional than Mito Pereira for you? Because I felt unbelievably uncomfortable with Mito a couple of weeks ago, watching him spray a ball and into again, the water. I didn't feel bad. Like the play that Mito tried to pull off was the play on eighteen. Like you know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. just saw JT, and granted JT was trying to birdie it because that's what he thought he had to do at the PGA. But hitting that little bullet cut, and Mito had done it, and trying to hit that little bullet cut under pressure. <sighs> but here, and here's the thing: people think that was an ugly swing from Mito, and it was. But that's just kind of the way Mito swings. Like I've yeah. seen Mito make some similar-looking swings that have worked out for him in the in the tournament since. But it, it, I just. Why do we do dumb things on the golf course? Like, I like to think of myself, Stephen, as a relatively smart individual. Like, I, and yet, when I get on the golf course, I do incredibly stupid things. Because like, there's like... Undeniably stupid things. There is this... The most beautiful thing about the game of golf is that it has a way to always bring you back. Doesn't matter how well you were playing, how poorly you were playing. There is usually that one shot that just feeds that addiction. And that is usually that bananas circus shot that you've never practiced in your life. <laughs> because why would you? Why? Let's try the knockdown pitching wedge off your back foot under three branches, and you pull it off and you go, God, golf is fun. There's nothing like There's no feeling like that. And I don't know what the feeling is like to have a PGA Tour champ, you know, title potentially in your grasp. But I can tell you, I certainly know what that feeling is like to hit it into the side of a bunker and watch that ball roll back to your feet and that unbelievably dejected feeling that he had to have been feeling heightened to a, a magnitude that we cannot comprehend. But I can tell you that if he would have pulled that off, Gabe, that would be one of those thrill-seeking, addicting golf shots that we love this beautifully crazy game so much. There is something comforting 
knowing that the best players in the world are also trying to chase that stupid shot. Yeah. Because uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg told this story, and it wasn't on TV. I think it was Saturday at the U.S. Open. And he was following Rory McIlroy around. And it was the 12 or 13 where Rory got up and down from 160 yards. Like he had to punch out, hit a beautiful wedge to like eight feet, made the putt to save par. And he had drove, hit it so far left. And his caddy's trying to convince him to punch out. And apparently Rory, like Kevin Van Volkenberg heard this whole thing, did a great like impersonation then of him talking to the caddy later of... Like, he, he went up to the caddy and said, man, good thing you were able to convince Rory to punch out there. He goes, yeah, I know. The guy wanted to hit a five-wood through a thing, like, a, a, a hole that wasn't that big. Like, you could maybe fit a couple golf balls through it. Like, but Rory wants to hit this impossible five-wood instead of just punching out sideways at the U.S. Open. Same thing with Sihith Tagala. Like, he thinks he can pull it off. It was obvious to me his who the caddy is always the voice of reason. That's the one thing I've always learned yeah. watching professional golf. Like the caddy is always trying to talk you into the smart thing to do, and it's very obvious his caddy wasn't comfortable with him trying to pull off whatever he was trying to pull off in that bunker, and and ultimately cost Heath. And look, this guy is incredibly talented. It's the second time this year he's been in the mix for a PGA Tour event. I, I mean, he's going to be a PGA Tour winner sooner rather than later. Um, but it's. It was, like, I was yelling at my TV, like, what are you doing? Don't do this. Just pitch out, get up and down, make him make birdie to tie, or worst case scenario, make him make birdie to beat you. And ultimately, Xander did make birdie, but given Xander's struggles under pressure the last few years... I mean, not as bad as Lexi Thompson, if you want to yeah. talk about that. That was, we got a lot of really good golf this weekend, like yeah. on television to watch. It was tough. It's a lot of good golf. We, we got to hit, hit the all about the drive because I know this is our topic. Oh, but yeah. I, I got, I got, I, I got about the open. I was I, so fired up. First of all, Gabe flew into the studio with his golf bag, his golf shoes. As you could probably tell in our first segment, he was, he was flying. Down 94, getting that back gets from, you every time, man. from you, Rich. And, I mean, he was a bat out of hell coming into this studio. He was he looked like he was at like an angry walk-up 18 carrying his bag into the studio. He just throws it down. He's like, all right, I'm ready here for the second segment. <laughs> but let's hit that Ewald Automotive. It's all about the drive. Sometimes it's all about the drive. But off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive. We make it easy. All right, Gabe, I think I have it figured out. Okay. I, I've been thinking since we started this segment, like, why do we hit the stupid shot? Yep. It's an addiction, yeah. Like, the high is mm-hmm. unlike any high. But I think about when I'm out on a golf course and I try to hit that shot that I never practice, and maybe I pull it off, maybe I don't. And my reasoning is simple. Because I'm afraid of screwing up the safe shot. <laughs> And there's so at no least you word do there, the gamble. There, but think about it. Like, there's no worse feeling mm-hmm. than passing up on the crazy shot to hit the safe shot yeah. and then screwing up the safe shot. Right? That's true. 
Like, like trying to like hit, like, all right, I'm going to hit my little punch into the middle of the fairway. Let's just save some strokes. And then you like duff the, punch, so, the, the, the chip out of the woods. And you're like, oh, my God. I just wasted another stroke. And now I have to hit another punch. And I would have rather hit 15 trees attempting that window than to duff that chip. It's funny because the, and, and maybe that's why I continuously try to pound driver even when it's not working like I did today. And, and I got away and I hit five wood. But there have been times... Where I've tried to hit four iron off the tee and just rope hook one, right? Yeah. And you're like, why did I try it? I mean, why? Okay, like that was supposed to be the safe one, and I just hit one way off the planet. If I was going to do that, I might as well just hit driver and try to hit it at least further down so my drop would be closer. If I'm going to go OB, I'd rather go <laughs> OB another 50 yards. Yeah, if right? I'm going to miss, I want to really miss. That's how I think about it. You know what? Like, That's a very good point. Because I've tried, like, I've tried to hit some smart shots, like punch outs. And sometimes it pays off, and I tap myself on the back. Maybe I'm playing in a match where strokes really matter, and you're trying to think about that type of stuff. But then there are other times where I just screw it up, and and there's no like walk of shame, like walking over to that duffed chip that you tried to play the safe shot on, or you know, and and that's just like, I think that's one of the most frustrating feelings in golf is trying to lay up you know and what? screwing it up. You know what the second worst feeling is? And this has happened to me twice in the last two days. When you've got a bunker in front of you and you're just trying to hit this little 40-yard pitch shot and you yeah. dump it in the bunker. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it literally talking to you. It <laughs> like, might as well just be a magnet. Like, well, it's funny because so I did I said, I said that was my, my one of my least favorite shots last yeah. week when yes, we were talking about that. it. Yep. It's like that 50-yard flop when you know you've got trouble in front of you. You know you sh- your last swing thought is always... Don't duff it. Don't duff well, it. And you know you've already lost. <laughs> yeah. You might as well just pick it up and throw it in the bunker at that point. So I tried to play. Yesterday I had to do it. And I tried to play too much of a little feathery shot. Like, okay, if I land this just right there, it'll hit the perfectly and run out. When realistically I should just be thinking, throw it somewhere on the green. If it runs out a little bit past, it's on the fringe. Like, worst you're going to make here is a bogey. And instead you dump it in the bunker and bring double into play. So when I got done with that hole, I thought, that's so stupid. Next time... I'm going to make sure I just throw it somewhere on the green. Faced with the exact same shot today. You tried the flop. That, oh, you tried to the, open the, it up the a little per- bit. Like, the 2% landing zone. <laughs> dumped it in the bunker. <laughs> dumped it right in the bunker. I mean, that, that, that's how we started this segment. Like, Those it, are shots <laughs> that you just never practice. Like, no. you're trying to hit, like, a flop shot. Like, you've been practicing it for the previous two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me just open my face and, like, just throw it perfectly into the top of that crescent so that it just falls right toward the hole. And then you realize, like, what what was I thinking? Like, like who do I think I am on the golf course? Again, but we do it because in the off chance that you pull it off, you pulled it off, and it's well, all you'll be talking about. And I did it on a par 5 today, and it's like, okay, I can just get this nestled up and... No, just give yourself a birdie putt, especially as poorly as I played today. Like, make a par. Par's your pal. Walk away happy. Nope. So how'd that double feel? Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And here's the other. The kicker was they didn't. somebody before me didn't rake the bunker, so now I'm going to uh, shoot print. Oh, so you 100% blamed your whole hole on that shoot print in the bunker, not the fact that you stuffed it in the bunker on the crappy chip <laughs> shot. Well, I mean, it, maybe it would have rolled back down to the bottom, so I'd have had a better chance at like hitting a clean shot out but like but no it's like i i wasn't even that mad it's like no this is what i get for not like hey there's one thing in front of you just make sure you don't hit it in that thing and but golf always <sighs> finds a way to bring you back it does made a par in the 18th today 
part of the first, part of the 18th. We won't talk about much what happened in between, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the senior PGA was also thrilling to watch yesterday, and the guy who finished second going to be playing in the John Deere Classic a tournament he's won a couple of times. That's, of course, Wisconsin's own Steve Stricker. We'll talk about his run in the senior PGA, plus make our picks coming up next on the team. Back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. This is On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Was I a fool to let you break down my walls? There was so much good golf on television this weekend. Yes. Like, Wild. It's, it was hard to kind of prioritize because there was good weather, so you try to get out and play. But the women were playing in the morning, try to fit in an NBC window. And you had Lexi Thompson going out and chasing down, getting the lead. But then there are a lot of ghosts in that closet that we need to talk about at some point eventually because... She had a two-foot putt that didn't even touch the hole. Yeah. Like, there's some scar tissue there that's real, which is unfortunate because she's one of the bigger stars in the women's game, and she's got a major, but she's... And she's been in contention. Should have a couple more. Uh, And then you had... We were just talking about the PGA Tour, and then the senior PGA was wildly entertaining yesterday, even though it shouldn't have been, because Padraig Harrington was up so much, strict didn't play well on Saturday, uh, shot two over par, and then shot himself right back into the tournament yesterday as Padraig Harrington was was falling apart. Ultimately, though, Padraig kept it together, made a 30-foot birdie putt that was the difference as he holds off Streve Stricker to win the U.S. Senior Open, which will be on Wisconsin soil next year at Century World. Stricker came out and shot a six-under in that final round. I mean, Harrington was one over. That's a seven-shot swing. The fact that Steve, you know, was able to stay in that. he I think he was two over. One or two. He was over. two over on Saturday. On Saturday, yeah, shot I mean, seventy four. He was in second place. Had a chance to make a move and just didn't have it, and then came out firing on on Sunday. Padraig just you know got his revenge for whistling, and and Strick had a couple of really makeable putts that he yeah. also on he the back been nine eight yeah. nine under yeah very easily. But it's good to see him back on the PGA Tour this week as he's going to be heading into the John Deere Classic TPC Deer Run. I thought that was called the Steve Stricker Classic. Now. The Steve Stricker, or is it the Jordan Spieth Classic, since yeah. Jordan Spieth got his first PGA Tour win there? I don't know. They both won it three or four times. Yeah. And, and Spieth isn't going to be there. This is an event that, unfortunately, has kind of suffered with the new PGA Tour schedule and uh, as part of their strategic alliance with the DP World Tour, formerly European Tour, because this—and and, and they had, I thought, a pretty good formula. Now, they weren't getting a ton of really big names, and maybe because— I'm a Wisconsin guy, love Strick. This was always a tournament I paid attention to because Steve Stricker always played in it. But they would get some decently big names. I know Zach Johnson, he's playing in it again this week, and and Zach's not obviously what he used to be. Two-time major champion, next Ryder Cup captain, but he's not you know, one of the top guys in the PGA Tour anymore. But he would always play there because he's a Midwest guy and, and felt like he needed to play there. But they would then have a jet that if you were also playing in the British Open, yeah. they would they would, hey, Come play for us. You don't have to pay for your flight over. You, you know, you and I think like you could even take your wife on the plane if you wanted or a family member or something. Obviously, you had like seat for three, you, your caddy, and, and I think a family member. So they would charter you over and that would entice a number of players to play. 
well, it's not the week before the, 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 the British Open anymore because the Scottish Open, which is going to be a joint venture this year between the PGA Tour and DP World Tour, is the week before. There'll be an opposite field event. I don't know if they're still offering that charter for the Scottish Open. So unfortunately, the field's suffering a little bit, but Steve Stricker is still getting that opportunity to play on the PGA Tour. And there is a reason that there's a live event scheduled this weekend. You know, this mm-hmm. is one of those weaker PGA Tour events that Greg Norman is going to try and squash. I mean, oh, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's the first one on U.S. soil. And it, I, I'm fascinated by this weekend with the live. Only, on, only because not so much the golf, but what's surrounding the golf right now. There are a lot of members at Pumpkin Ridge that are leaving because they don't agree with the fact that their their venue is hosting this tournament. And this is the first of five on U.S. soil. Here's the problem right now. That a big problem that Liv has, the only marketing they do for themselves is when somebody signs with them. Like, I know they're on YouTube Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. I have no idea what time it starts. Like, I am a golf junkie, Steven. And, like, they don't have a live leaderboard that you can access outside of just watching when they occasionally flash it. So you don't, and they usually only have a top whatever on, on the board. I have no idea what time it is, when they're going to have it on YouTube. Like I, I don't know any of this, I know and the, they're terrible I, at putting this information out. I think the draft is tomorrow. It's usually on the Tuesday of these new teams, and this is the thing I can't stand about live the new teams every single event makes well, like, absolutely zero sense. Then don't do the teams. Like if you have teams, you have teams. Like, Correct. And those are going to be your teams going forward, but they have so many people that they have to kick out to have these guys that they've added. Some of the teams have dramatically changed. And, you know, if you ended up with Brooks Kepka instead of the guy who shot 17 over par, then your team is a little bit better suddenly. I, I, have, a, I have an idea. I have an idea. What if we have a Ryder Cup of Live versus the PGA Tour? Would you watch? Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's enough talent now on the Live Tour. Oh, PGA Tour would still dominate. Oh, they'd smoke them. I, but I, I, I agree, but I'd watch. I would watch yeah. the bloody so, mess. Here's the thing. I don't know how much, as good as the golf was to watch this past weekend, because of, and they, the PGA Tour does a great job with travelers. Players want to go out there and play because it, they make it seem like one of the fun weeks on tour. You yeah. know, you've got videos of Chris Berman out there playing, and they get so many other people playing in the pro-ams. It seems that they enjoy those types of interactions. And it ended up being an entertaining tournament because it came down to the end. Same thing with the U.S. Senior Open. Same thing with the Women's PGA, which was at Congressional, which looked fantastic, wow, by the that, way. The, the, what, the changes they made. Fantastic. Holy. I don't know how much golf I'm going to watch this weekend. It's 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if Strick makes his way up the leaderboard, it, in, which could be important for him because there are British Open qualifying spots available for the top three on the leaderboard who aren't already exempt. So there's an opportunity to potentially qualify for the British Open if you're Steve Stricker, so that would certainly get my attention. I don't know if, even though I love primetime golf, and I would assume Liv would take advantage of being able to have primetime golf, maybe they don't, I have no idea, because again, they don't let anybody know early enough when they're actually going to be teeing off. I can't imagine I'm going to take time out like it was, it was a novelty. I checked it out when they were playing um, in, London. in London. I don't know how much I'm going to watch this week. The only thing that they have going for them that I like is the fact that in four hours, it's all done. 
the shotgun start allows like you to watch start. in the morning and be done by lunch, and it's it's over. I you don't. Know, it's not a full day viewing experience on a holiday weekend, something like that. I don't think the shotgun start can be successful for true stroke play events, like for PGA Tour yeah. events, because you can't have guys on the final round finishing on hole thirteen. When courses are designed like, for you to finish on a certain stretch, well, well, and it's just not fair. Just think about yesterday at the scene, and I know it's a senior event, but whatever. It's not like it hasn't happened on a PGA Tour event before. But Strick, because again, he shot two over, and he wasn't in the final group. He was two or three holes ahead of Padraig, and Stricker posted the number. It was eighteen under par. As Padraig is finishing up the 15th hole, now the 15th and 18th greens were, were really close to each other, and, and Padraig poured in a, a bur- let that 30-foot birdie putt that ultimately ended up being the difference. But he still had three holes to go after Strick made his birdie. Yeah. So, like, let's say that happens at a live event. So everybody's waiting around the 18th thinking, thinking that someone in the final group's going to win, but what if somebody on the third hole wins it? Or I, I guess I don't even yeah, know how they do their pairings or how they stagger that with the shotgun start. I didn't care that enough to kind of look into it. But that's kind of got to be awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't think... I don't think that the shotgun start is good for the viewing experience. I don't think it's good for the fan experience because I think about some of my favorite parts about going to the PGA Tour events I've gone to in the state of Wisconsin. It's being able to go out there all day. Not just, up oh, four hours, it's over. Because it can be an expensive ticket. You know, just four hours and maybe you miss your guy, maybe you don't. I guess if you stay at the same hole, everyone's got to come through. But it, it just... I, I think it's something that can work for two days. I don't think it... Get, but if they're only going to play 54-hole events, I, the final day of a tournament cannot be a shotgun start. Yeah, I would agree. I think you can maybe do it on the first day. Yeah. Keep it I, tight. If, if you go to four rounds... If you want to do it, because, again, one of the talking points, even though you know we know it's just money, Kevin Nas like, yeah, the draws are so unfair. Morning, late, late morning. Until, you know, <laughs> the draws are so unfair. That's why I'm leaving the PGA Tour. Oh, Kevin Nas complained about something? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, that's enough with Liv, by the way. we got to make quick picks. Gruber Loves just want to call that salt pick for uh, John Deere Classic this week. Um, is Webb Simpson playing? He is. Okay. <laughs> I like Webb. He is. Yeah, let's go with Webb. I'm going to go Mav just because I really like Mav McNeely. Yeah. And I'm rooting for him to get that first BJ Tour victory. This is a good opportunity for him. Hey, let's see. Stricker fi- finishes in the top three. He could backdoor Rory style into the U.S. or into the British, British Open. Open. We'll see. I'm all for that. Golf weather in Wisconsin's here. If you're looking for a great place to get outside, head to Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. Great atmosphere. That's what they're so great. The golf, look, the golf is fun. Like I've, the golf course, it's a fun golf course to play. But what Fairways of Woodside does better than anybody else to me in golf is they make golf fun. It's supposed to be fun. Go out there, have fun with your pals. That's what the team out of Fairways of Woodside does. I love going out there. You will too. Book your tee time today, fairwaysofwoodside.com. Forget about changing that dial. More on the tee with Gabe and Steven next on 94.5 ESPN. For it's on the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. July is almost here, which means... The ESPN Milwaukee Open is almost here, and we get to go out to the bog. It offers a challenging but playable golf course, and it packages a beautiful natural setting in Sockville, Wisconsin, with that great golf. 
The bog is awesome. They have their big barn out for uh, for events. You need to go out to, and play the bog if you have not done so. Arnold Palmer designed right here in the state of Wisconsin. It's rated on the top five Palmer courses in the United States. Speaking of golf courses, we got to rate one before we get out of here, courtesy of our friends at Waste Management. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. A course near and dear to my heart. You could play it blindfolded. I might be able to at this point. I've played it so much. How many times do you think you've played? Brown Deer? Brown Deer Park Golf Course. I have played... I mean, you, you count your rounds every year. Oh, I do. And I, I, I could probably go back and look. Um, I mean, I probably play at least 45 times a year there. At so, least. So we're looking because, at like 200. Oh, yeah. To- mm-hmm. Because, and even, I I don't even chart all my rounds there. Because sometimes I go out there and play by myself. So I can't put that in the in the handicap index. But yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where when somebody blows one way left or right on a hole, I'm like, hey, don't worry, I've made par from there. You'll be fine. <laughs> you know every <laughs> I shot. I know. Hey, I know. You just got to keep it under that branch right there. One time I hit it and it got a little loose. Maybe if you hit it, you know, you'll knock it out. You I don't I, have to worry about it. I anymore. played it today and um, the wind was whipping a little bit. So, and I I find that course. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mental. I can't score well there. So the greens are running good now. Yeah. Uh, they were very slow because it was such a bad spring. They really had to let the grass grow on the greens so they didn't lose any. But now they're starting to roll really good. And that's the one thing out there. It has lost a lot of trees, but you get into some pockets in that golf course. And maybe it's because some of the trees have been lost and it's opened up some different wind tunnels. The wind can start swirling out there. It was windy out there yesterday, and I couldn't... Man, it felt like for three holes in a row going in different directions, like... I still under the wind here. I can't yeah. quite figure this out. I just felt like I was a club short on half of the holes. And um, that, I mean, it, but credit to Brown Deer because I think that the removal of the trees has really mm-hmm. opened it up in a in a positive way. Yeah, and the greens were really rolling today. And yeah, it, for you forget that's a county park it's, course. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's still hosted really a good. lot of professional tournaments. But I mean, go out there and play. It's it was like fifty bucks today with a golf cart. What's uh, what's your uh, favorite hole out there? Um, gosh, right on the spot. I, I think one is one of the tougher starting holes of tough, any golf course in this state. Tough starting hole. Birdied it yesterday. Oh, nice. We won't talk about what happened after that. Yeah. Um, I like, man, that's tough. 16? Short par four over the water? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a nice hole. It's a tough green. What's you know, the dog leg left it? par five? Oh, that's uh, 15. 15. That's what I'm thinking of. Hit it over the creek there yesterday. Yeah, I don't even attempt that. I don't have that in my bag. <laughs> um, I, that's a nice par five. It's it's a very challenging par five because especially like four, four can feel like a very gettable par five, which is nice. You know, yeah. you get that early in your round. You think you have that birdie opportunity. And 18 is definitely a birdie opportunity on the back. But six, the other par five on the front, which is the longest hole on the golf course, and then 15 are definitely more challenging par fives where you've got to, if you walk away on those holes making a four, you know you did something yeah, right. Yeah, I played really well in the par threes out there today, but the par fives... I, I didn't make a single birdie, and 
that's the type of course where you need to make a birdie on a par five. <laughs> yeah, or you can play number four and make a two. You can do that. I recommend that. Your favorite shot in golf. That's... <laughs> You know, I mean, it was actually one year ago how about, today. How about that? One year ago today. That really? Happened. Yes. One year ago today, I made a, the albatross on uh, number four at Brown Deer. And you may have even chunked it into the sand that same day, but that shot brought you back. <laughs> it did. No, I snap hooked one into the crap on 18 that same day. That's... <laughs> Golf's a maddening game. We love this we game for some absolutely reason. absolutely still love it. And we'll talk about it next week, not on Monday, because that is July 4th. We'll be back with you next Tuesday, July 5th, to talk about all things going on in the world of professional golf, including getting ready for the last major of the year. It's going to be just a week away with the Scottish Open coming up next week as well. This has been On the Team.